Hey guys, it's Carter here. Just wanted to announce a few things before we get into the show. First off, I totally forgot to include in Kyle's introduction that he is in fact the creator of our podcast logo and banner. We're so grateful for his efforts in helping us make our channel have more personality. And second, I would love to tell all of you that if anyone needs voice work, Kyle is more than happy to voice act or narrate for you. Please contact directly messaging him through Discord. His Discord details are Kyle underscore Valapi number sign 1328. And I'll include that in the screen for if you need to see that and in the description. And thank you and enjoy the interview. back to the co-op cast my name is carter and i'm here with sawyer and colin and today is our first guest episode we're really excited to come back at you guys here with our first guest i'm here with kyle he is an amateur writer and a voice actor and he's been a dungeon master for over 10 years and is currently studying to be a teacher so we're super excited to have you with us today how's it going guys pleasure to be here hey man going good (laughs) Yeah, we're really excited to have you with us today. It's something we've been wanting to do for a, a long time is to have some guests with us. So we just love to talk to you about, you know, your interests and things that we might have in common, things that we don't have a clue about. And uh, right now, I think we can all agree, Colin and Sawyer, that we don't really know much about uh, Dungeons and & Dragons. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be really interesting to learn more about that from you, especially since you've been a dungeon master. You know, you pretty much know all the, the corners and the, everything about it. So we'd love to learn more about that and just kind of pick around at your interests and get to know you. First off, before we go anywhere, though, can I ask you, what are you studying and teaching? English. English? Awesome. I'm bio bio ed, so that's why. I'm going to become a teacher, too. That's cool. (laughs) Nah, I'm not studying to be a teacher as well. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've um, (laughs) I've I've an English teaching degree and a creative writing minor. Um, just hoping to spread a little imagination to the world. Not much of a huge goal, but you know, it's something that's really helped me, and I think that it's something that a lot of people could get uh, a big leg up on the world. You know, creative problem solving or just enjoyable hobbies, stuff like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, nice. So I'm the odd one out here. I don't. I'm not teaching people. <laughs> <laughs> fine, it's fine. You're not worse than us. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. So, um. First off, first things first, like, I don't even know, like, how you even started D&D group. I don't even know any of that. So, like, what would you think for, like, a starter? Like, say I wanted to get into it next week. What would something I'd have to do to, like, get into it? Uh, I think the biggest initial challenge with starting in D&D is scheduling. And that's always, like, the consistent problem uh, is being able to get together with people. Because if you're getting into the game, it's typically through someone who already knows the game, like my experience. I remember I was in, like, I was in middle school math class. And I was sitting next to a friend that I had made while being in that class. And we had been talking about about games that had come out, like recent video games. Um, I was talking about the most recent uh, Pokemon game that I purchased. I can't remember which one it was that year because it was so long ago at this point um but i remember him bringing up uh this this game i had heard of maybe once before dungeons and dragons and i was initially curious and he shared that the the game it's 
the benefits of playing Dungeons and Dragons as opposed to like a video game version of it, or a lot of people that I've talked to have compared like Skyrim as one of the closer games to what Dungeons and Dragons is like, is this mm. a completely open choice, open world experience that you get to build with friends or acquaintances. Um, I've never run a game with people I've never met before just because I've never had the opportunity, but I always, always thought about that sort of thing. But uh, I guess what that little background outlines is that you usually have to know someone to get into the game because it is kind of obscure. At least it was when I was first playing it. But the hard part is the scheduling because it takes so long to play a session, whereas like uh, a lot of online games these days have quick rounds, like five, ten minutes. You can mm -hmm. log on, be playing, be done in less than an hour. In D&D, I feel like the longer the session or that's how I refer to a single gameplay night as a session, like an episode, some people right. call it. The longer you have to play in a session, the more story is told, the more experiences you have, the more shenanigans and hijinks you get up to, the more fun it is, and the more the whole game progresses. Because it's like playing out a novel where it's everyone makes decisions and there are consequences, but it's uh, super wide right now, just kind of expanding and really narrow. But to begin, that was what you had asked, right? If you wanted to start tomorrow yeah, like, or next week, what you yeah. want to do is have... Yeah. Uh, a character in mind that you want to play, something you want to live up, and then a group of people that you're willing to have the experience with, people that you want to meet with and have the ability to meet with. Okay. So would you say that, like, t the first people that get into Dungeons & Dragons are, like, not... Like, the people that get into Dungeons & Dragons nowadays would probably stem from video games? I'm not really sure, because the community at large has exploded... I don't know if you can narrow it down to a gaming community has slowly become the the D and D community or just role playing games RPG in general the tabletop gaming community. Uh, I think that it's it's pretty unique to each group. Like for me, it stemmed like I said, a friend from math class. Uh, other people, it's been me approaching them on college campus. Like we were in a, an art class together, and I was like, hey. Uh, we were after school, I think, in a lab doing some stuff, and I I brought it up because I was looking for some friends to play, being new to the university. And I just kind of brought it up. So for me and for those group of friends, it was just some random dude they had just met brought it up one day and we've been playing for several years. But some people could have found it on like chat rooms or whatever. But what I've noticed is that the accessibility to it and all of the things that um, connect to it has really grown in the recent years. Because when I first started playing D&D, it was really, really obscure. I started playing back when people still got bullied for playing D&D. You know, my, I've had people... <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been picked on and assaulted and women break up with me as we were dating because they found out I played Dungeons and Dragons. And that's the experience I had when I first started. And then oh, over the last couple of years, it's become this massive cultural movement where everyone just kind of plays it. People that you never expect to play it, try it and love it because it's such a great game, in my opinion, that anyone can play it. But it's, I think wherever you find D&D, it's kind of like a, your own meet cute to the game. You know, you have your own experience of where you, you run into it. And how you how you deal and continue on that little journey with it then is a pretty unique person to person. Yeah, so it would definitely be like its own category. Like, of course, there's people that would be into it if they were in the gaming community, but like, I could just see any type of person getting into it, um, especially nowadays. Like you said, where it's just becoming, it's just exploded with a whole new community of people, and that really does suck. Hearing that people get bullied for that back. Just probably even just like five years ago, right? I'm not sure. I was kind of out of the loop for a while. I know that yeah. 
there were several things that really brought publicity to the game, like uh, that Stranger Things series. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm allowed to, to say it, but the, the main characters play an old, old version of D&D, and then having it be so popular, everyone hearing and seeing it brought a lot of new attention to the game, as well as there are a lot of gameplay podcasts of people who yeah. actually play the game as characters. They're like professional voice actors and content creators out there playing games with their friends. And there it's all over the internet, you know, Twitch streaming and on podcasting platforms. And it's it's just gotten a lot more accessible and a lot more people have heard about it as opposed to me who had to, you know, meet one random friend and then find my obscure gaming store in downtown. <laughs> I was like stuck between yeah. an H&R block and like some random restaurant. And it was just like behind some some dumpsters is where this one store was where I found the stuff. It's uh, mm-hmm. a little bit harder to find it back in the old days, so to speak. So what made you want to become the dungeon master? And uh, could you explain a little bit of the role of the dungeon master for those of the, for those who don't know like anything about Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, sure. Uh, in basic terms, there are two kinds of players of D and D. You can break it into subtypes, but there are two essential roles. There's player characters. Those are the people who, uh, for the majority of people, play player characters. They assume uh, a person they've invented. You know, it can be an elf or a dwarf, or even a human. Or uh, there's a lot more obscure species and races you can play as in D&D, like demon people called tieflings. And you could be a giant mushroom person called a mycenid. You can be anything you can imagine. And you adopt a personality and your character learns skills and develops um, another important part of the character called a class, whether they, they wield magic or weapons or if they're a healer or a leader, you know, that sort of like their role in... Uh, the first example I can think of would be like Borderlands, uh, where you pick one of those four that have a specific role. You get picked as that person's character and their personality, but uh, you can choose separately the character personality and the role they fill. So you can be a dwarven dancer who shoots arrows. You can be whatever you want. And those role, that, that role, excuse me, is the, the player character. Those are PCs is the acronym because there's lots of big words in D&D that kind of acronym everything. Um, and they are people. They choose actions. They interact with non-player characters throughout the world. They get into fights. They get into hijinks. And then the other role, which is a little more obscure and unique to tabletop gaming, um, is the dungeon master. Uh, that role is, whereas I've been dungeon master for so long, I'll, I'll just use it in first person. I, as the dungeon master, am the narrator. I describe the setting that the characters find themselves in. Uh, I play all the characters they aren't. Like if they walk into a town and some of the characters want to go off to the blacksmith and fix their armor and a couple of them want to go to the tavern and get rooms for the night or whatever, I'm the blacksmith and then I'm the innkeep and I'm, I'm the guard they run into on the street looking for directions. I fill those smaller roles just to make the game flow, you know, just to have a, a yeah. realistic narrative to the events. Yeah. So the, the major role of the dungeon master is first to make sure everyone's having fun. Because mm-hmm. some players like the conversational stuff. They like to adopt a persona and they like to be someone new and experience conversations or things that they wouldn't normally do in the real world. You know, not everyone's going to start a bar fight just to see what happens. Um, but you can in D&D. And that's one thing that I think some player characters like to do is explore those out-of-world... Bar fights. <laughs> yeah, those out-of-world fantasies like bar fights or even just 
being more charismatic than normal because you're not in that pressure of the real world and real consequences. But then some people aren't really into that sort of stuff in D&D, and they're more into the combat, you know, building a character that can cast the best spells and can fight the best and wear the best armor, the most peak performance battle character, these combat-ready characters. And as a dungeon master, you want to balance it, and you want to have enough of the story for the story people, the interaction for the roleplay people, and the combat for the combat people. And I think that's the most important role of the Dungeon Master, is narrator, referee, storyteller, but just to make sure everyone's having fun. Because, I mean, it's it's up to you for the consequences. You really narrate the stuff, so it's more pressure on the so- shoulders of the Dungeon Master just to have everyone have a good time. Which is ultimately the whole point of any sort of gaming video or tabletop or what have you. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I've played one session, one episode... Maybe it was two episodes of Dungeons and Dragons. On I went on a mission in Arizona, um, and the dungeon the dungeon master seems like a really cool thing to do because you get to like be a game developer or like a book writer. You get to create the story that other people get to live through you. And uh, I've always want after I saw my friend do it, I was really interested in like what kind of story could I create that would make other people interested in what's going on and like create this arc of a story. I I always thought that was cool with it. Exactly. And I think that's the, the major beauty of D&D, and that's why I was drawn yeah. to it, is that there are no limitations to that story. Uh, for the most part, I set my stories in a high fantasy setting, you know, in like a, like a Middle-earth, Tolkien sort of high fantasy, or like a, a Game of Thrones, Westeros, kind of that armor and medieval sort of feel, because I like to narrate that. I like to do those voices and that kind of drama but i've also played games in contemporary settings you know uh you're you're like an elf on streets with cars and cell phones that have apps that have spell books instead of old tomes you know it's it can be anything and i've even seen some people who have published campaign guides where the settings are these characters and this type of gameplay but like in outer space you know some things that are brand specific but some are just general hey you're in space and it's that's i think the beauty is it's just storytelling that you and your friends get to make together. And it's uh, it's the the thing that initially drew me to the game, and specifically to Dungeon Master, because as a writer and as a storyteller, I loved that role and was drawn to it. Like, I would love to be the storyteller and to help weave uh-huh. the tale. So that's why I was pulled so to that specifically. I feel, like, I feel like if you're a person who has a very big imagination or you're, you're always daydreaming, this is the type of thing for you. Like, when I played... Um, I've always been a big Yoshi fan, so I was an elf that I could transform into Yoshi to ta- to fight people, and it just it made my dreams come true, man. And I was to be, yeah, I was trying to be Yoshi. And it was just it was awesome, man. And <laughs> if you have that daydreaming, if that's what you do a lot, I think this is what's for you right here, Dungeons and Dragons, because you can make your dreams come true in a sense. Dungeons and Yoshi. Yeah, <laughs> Dungeons and Yoshi's. As I like to call it, dungeons and or dragons, because in the, the rule sets, dragons are usually really, really strong, and it takes a while to get up to actually fight them successfully. Yeah. So. so going on with uh, being a dungeon master, we're just we're interested in learning of like the steps that it takes in creating a, a, a session, like not just sessions, but the whole campaign, a whole story. How much effort does it take for you to go through a whole story with a group of people? before you even begin the first episode. Yeah, and like also like do you go from session to session like kind of hopping around kind of your world or have you have this like whole world planned out before you even start the first one? 
there's a there's a lot of layers to that one. I'm gonna pick it apart bit by bit. And I think running a game as a dungeon master, I think in general there are two kinds of games you can run. There are what I like to call the uh, the pre-designed campaigns, which I mean, as you were saying earlier, uh, some people might not be imagining all the time, and some people might not feel like they could create a story. Or I feel very confident in doing it. Um, but I know many people, even people I play the game with, who would feel anxious taking the Dungeon Master role. And uh, the company that makes Dungeons & Dragons, you know, Wizards of the Coast, I think that they understood that as they see this boom of this product and this, this, uh, this experience growing. And they've developed books you can buy that have a campaign set in it. It's got maps of things, it's got characters to encounter, and it has dungeons and storylines and different you know, consequences and choice paths that your players can follow. But uh, it's these campaign settings are pre-made where you can purchase it and read through it and you can play the game um, and not have to worry about, you know, consistency of world building and stuff because of it's it's already been made. And those are really fun. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've played one of them. I played the Curse of Strahd and I really enjoyed it. But for me, as the storytelling dungeon master narrator, I find that I'm more fulfilled in the game and I have the best time when I make that stuff. So the first thing that I do when I run a campaign is uh, back in the old days, I had built a world that I can't remember the name of. It was something like Terra, something really not really creative. You know, middle school brain making up names was pretty bad. But I, I made a place and I created a, a basic history for it. You know, I made a, a lineage of kings and continents and countries and all that jazz. And I made this little planet, and I let my players inhabit it, and I let them influence the course of history. As I, you know, played the game more, and as I prepped more, I have formed a much more cohesive world, and a much more um, expansive world, I'd say. It's got a lot more depth, a lot more history, a lot more characters, um, that I just, I just know them in the well of my mind that I can reference in games and in sessions. But that's the step, if you want to make what's called homebrew, where you make it in your own mind, in your own home. It's homebrew is when you build it yourself, as opposed to buying it and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with buying those campaigns. I know some purists are like, oh, it's for the, the weak imaginative people, but I, I don't mind. You know, If you're new to the game, it's an easy way to see good references of how to do it. But first, you want to have a place to put your characters. And if you can't think of a story, then put them in a place let your characters loose because everyone's going to come to the table wanting to do something, wanting to experience something, and their characters are going to go for it. And then they're going to do what they're looking for, and then a story will just naturally, organically happen. But if you do have a story in mind, um, you can just kind of loosely outline it and see if you could nudge the players in the right direction because no one likes to be railroaded to be forced to do something. Yeah. Um, even in gaming, you don't want to be like, okay, now you have to go to this town. Instead of doing that sort of thing, what I'll do is I'll let them go wherever they want, and then a character who spurs a story into motion will just be at whatever town they pick to go to. They'll just be there. They'll encounter them, and the story then feels more naturally happening. But uh, I'll have, in my mind, a story planned out, and however long it takes to get to the end of the story is however long it takes. I've designed some on purpose to be one-night, one-specials. We call those one-shots, typically. And I've had some games that have lasted for years. Like I ran a game with my brothers just because I wanted to practice running games when I first started. And that game lasted for like six years. 
but it was it was off and on like once every couple of weeks we you know we get together and we play but it was a a very long story that they have experienced and then others have been shorter like three or four sessions and those kind of have an end and i feel like on those shorter ones the characters feel like okay there's a story that we want to get through and there's a story that we've all agreed we want to go through and so there's less exploration in those ones and more just accomplishing the the tasks ahead and that's still fun in its own right but when i write a story for the long term i leave it as open-ended as possible and i let the consequences follow and eventually they'll reach an end or they'll all die you know those are your your two options really yeah i think one one of the things you said that sparked a memory um when you said i just want the characters to go in the world and experience it that's one of the pros I see in um, Dungeons and Dragons, whereas to video games, I feel like video, video games, you're like stuck in this box that the programmers gave you. You got A, B, X, and Y to press buttons and do things. But with Dungeons and Dragons, you just say what you want to do. You, the world's your, your oyster or whatever. The, the game's your toy box. You can do whatever you want. You just say it to the Dungeon Master. He tells you the consequences or whatever happens for it. So it's fun. It, like. It's a video game that I've always wanted. I've always wanted a video game where I can just do whatever I want in this world. And um, I'm not held to these barriers. I'm like, I feel like I'm walking through tunnels. Dungeons & Dragons, it gives you this full um, arch, uh, this whole ability to be able to do whatever you want. Whatever you feel your character should do, you can just do it. And the, pers- the dungeon master will tell you if that's you know what happens from it. And that's the cool part, too, because like, like our imagination can take us anywhere, but like you play Skyrim, I can't... like blow up a wall in a city so i can get in through the other side like i have to go all the way around to the door and yeah, kind of yeah. do the things like but in D D, it sounds like literally can do anything <laughs> yeah there's only one authority higher than the dungeon master when it comes to things that actually can happen in D D, and that's the dice uh, i know a lot of people yeah. are who know D D are intimidated because like is there so much math i'm like it's not there's a lot of math yeah but it's mostly addition like, it's not hard math, it's just, like, when you're saying blow up a wall or, you know, try to do all these things that video games could constrain, uh, there are some rules in place just to keep everything in, like, the laws of physics, you know? If you have absolutely no rules, then it's just going to be a table of, you know, fourth graders, like, well, my invincibility shield can block your laser gun, like, no, my laser gun can cut through invincibility shield, you know? Like how we argue on the playground as little kids. But yeah. the, the rules and the dice, I feel, constrain the the ridiculous from occurring. Like, it doesn't stop it. Like Let me give you an example. Uh, I had the players trying to get in favor of a character that had information they needed. And he was a farmer, and recently his favorite cow had been stolen. The players then went on a quest to recover a cow, and they found it in a neighboring ranch hidden inside the barn. They're like, oh, there's some intrigue farmers stealing each other's cows. As they're trying to get this cow out of the ranch, a tornado hits and starts tearing up, like this massive cyclone starts tearing up the area and it lifts the barn off into the sky and all the characters are like trying to get to the ground or like one of them is able to pull out a spell that creates like a little pocket of reality that keeps them safe from it. But one of the characters wasn't fast enough because he was trying to get the cow to it because that's the ultimate goal. Take the cow, save the cow. Now the, the dice... (laughs) <laughs> it's all random, but the dice had led us to the point where the the wind was so strong, the dice had determined that the cow was lifted off into the storm, and this character who was a dwarf was riding said cow like a great steed. And so he's flying in the air, in the cyclone, with all this farm and landscape torn up in the air, and he his character is a monk and a very 
um, fervent practicer of the God of Storms. And so his character says this prayer and casts a spell related to the prayer for this storm god to hear him. And the dice roll was so high that I had no choice but to let him fly this cow through the storm because the, the numbers let it happen. Now, a lot of people will treat What's like the natural 20 is the, the phrase where you roll a 20-sided dice and the 20 means you succeed. Some people treat that like physics break. Like, like I want to punch a hole through the universe and if you happen to get a 1 in 20, it happens. Uh, I feel like that's a bit extreme. But the fact that he was a practitioner of the God of Storms in a tornado and as friends outside of the game even and laugh about remembering this hilarious moment. And so the dice in other cases will lean the other way like we had a very practiced thief character trying to pick the lock of a door like the most basic rogue thing to do yeah. and he landed such a low roll that his lock pick broke and they ended up disturbing some guards and <laughs> getting tossed in jail <laughs> so it's it's all consequences but the success of a task is measured by these probability uh, of the dice What's nice is that it's not all up to the dice. Your character does have skills on a sheet you keep track of that can modify the roll one way or the other. So it's not guaranteed up to the dice gods whether or not you fail or succeed. Your character does have some influence. But that's what I love about it is that you can try those random things and maybe it'll work. Maybe you'll be flying the cow through the storm and maybe it won't and you'll end up in jail. But that's the beauty of it, I think. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Like, even if your plan doesn't succeed and you roll a low number on the dice, it just takes the story to another place and it just enriches the experience for everyone. And that's just really the awesome part about it is that you never know how it's really going to end. Even as a dungeon master, I'm guessing, like, you have a plan, I'm sure, of what the story's going to be about, but I'm sure the majority of it is, like, you weren't expecting. So, does that sound right? Yeah, I remember my very first session, I tried to write it like a book where I had all of the decisions and consequences outlined. And then immediately, the very first decisions the characters made was something I never could have guessed. They were trying to intimidate some guy for information. Instead of talking to him, they took him behind the building and started beating him up to get the information out of him. And I was like, what the heck is going on? I've lost control of the story. But that is, as I said before, the primary responsibility of the Dungeon Master is to make sure everyone's having fun. Like, you will have the things you enjoy as a dungeon master, whether it's running combat or running story or whatever. But my characters didn't want to, my players, my friends didn't want to have to bother interrogating some old dude. And they decided just to cut to the chase and beat him up and take the information from him. Their characters later developed to be evil, and this was clearly indicative of their choices. But it's it's all about making sure everyone has fun. So... And then let's go back to character creation because I, I think it's so much fun because like with my first time playing most games with like character creation and stuff like that, like I sometimes find myself spending like an hour or two just like messing with the settings on like the characters and stuff in video games like Skyrim. It took me so long to choose to be a high elf just because I, I couldn't choose between the options. So like if you were going to give us advice, seeing me for the first time, uh, for those listening, we actually like get on a video call and we talk to each other and face to face that that is more natural. Um, but seeing me for the first time, hearing me for the first time, what would you think would be my character? <laughs> so, uh, Carter actually tipped me off. You guys asked me this question. So I, I listened to the previous episodes to try to prepare. I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm cheating, <laughs> No, you're fine. but it's, it's pretty hard to pick a character from an initial, you know, um, uh, 
acquaintanceship with a person because it's like a caricature, you know? You try what you think is right and they might get offended. But uh, from what I had learned from the other episodes and from what I can sort of guess is that I think you would really enjoy your time as a halfling bard. Ooh. Halflings, <laughs> uh, which are the disputed uh, hobbit race of D&D because there was a little, a little legal issue with the token uh, estate and deity at the beginning so they came up with halfling instead uh, as well as some other stuff which was tweaked like they have uh they have tree herders like uh the ants from lord of the rings but they call them treants i know huge change but no little things like that <laughs> but the the halfling in dnd i think are based on choosing to do dumb things but being able to get out of it they have abilities that allow them to um, negate consequences like natural ones or like the forced failures. And bards are classes that revolve around charisma and convincing others that they're right or just having this personality that's so magnetic that people will listen and follow you. A lot of people associate uh, bards with these kind of lascivious musicians, but it's open-ended. You could be a slam poet or you could be uh, a, like a street mime. As long as it's a form of art. <laughs> but I, I do think that build is the one to just around with. Because it's really easy to get out of the consequences of your actions. As the super charismatic tiny person. Who just gets out of the way of danger. <laughs> Alright. So Colin, so Colin you're, you're a stupid charismatic person. Hey, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't mean that as a compliment and as an insult. I'm yeah, sorry if that came off as... Poking fun, but that's I honestly think you would enjoy that. You're good. But as you said in character creation, it's so much harder to pick a character in D&D because there are so many options. Mm -hmm. And instead of like giving people options when they're new to the game and I'm helping them out, I tell them, okay, what do you want to be? And then we'll refine it to the stuff that's been designed for D&D. Like you could be a giant shark person. You could be... Yoshi. You could be Yoshi. You could be a pile of rocks that thinks. You could be a cyborg. You could be there's this this squid thing. Um, it's hard. Okay, squid thing is a little inaccurate, but they're called the illithid or mind flayers. They've got like this kind of Cthulhu look to them without the wings, and they're small. They got claws, but like an octopus face. Uh, mind flayer. That's from Stranger Things. Yeah, it's the Stranger Things took it. Yeah, I mean, they used all the names as basises in the show, but they're nothing like in the game. Like, the Demogorgon, that super famous monster, is like this two-headed yeah. baboon god with, like, tentacles for an arm, and it's... The names are translated, but it's... Uh, but the, yeah. yeah. But that's, as I'm saying, it's it's so hard to pick a character in D&D because there are so more many more options. And then it's not strictly limited to, like, okay, if you want to be a tank, you have to be a big guy to be a tank. You could be a tiny gnome and be a tank and the stats wouldn't be that far adjusted it's still plausible to do that i mean it's it's just the limits of your imagination and the probability of reality as said by the dice and it's it's just a unique experience so um if you for the, for the people who are like on the edge of trying out dungeon and dragons if you had to choose one aspect of it that was your favorite aspect of it what would you tell them like, sell, sell it is, to me yeah, sell it to me. Why? Okay. Yeah, why is if you've if you've already said it, that's fine. I mean, I can reiterate it, but I, I really think it boils down to two points. And one is, if you you have to have a good group of friends and you have to have a good dungeon master to start, because if you start with a group that you're not really good friends and you don't have a, a good dungeon master or you're not willing to become friends, then the social element of it will ruin it. 
But as terms of gameplay, I think it's really that, like, have you ever been playing a game and you hit the edge of the map and it says, oh, you can't go that way or return to the map, you'll be destroyed or, the, you know, the fog mm -hmm. is coming in, you're losing health. That doesn't exist in D&D. You can keep going. And if the world is flat in your game, you'll fall off. If the world is round in your game, then you'll get all the way back around. You can explore anything. And as well as the laws of physics and your character's magic demands, you can try anything. And I think that's that's what sold me. And if that doesn't sell to people, then maybe it's not for everyone. I feel like it tries to be accommodating, but that's the selling point. Yeah. I'd like to just... Thumbnail. It's just an escape from reality, because you can make reality whatever you want it to be in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we're hitting that point where I want to know a little more about you other than Dungeons and Dragons. So what's, what's some of your other interests, Kyle? I want to know okay. you. I want to know you a little more. All right. Well, I know you guys are a gaming podcast. Um, I've been trying to relate D&D &D to video gaming to try to stay genre appropriate. <laughs> but um, I think I'll, I'll start with that. My The first game I ever played was Pokemon Silver. Um, and then the GBA version. I should specify that, like Silver or Silver. And then the second game I ever played was Halo in a tournament with my cousins, and I was like eight years old. And I did pretty good for an eight-year-old, I think. I didn't die immediately. <laughs> um, but I think it's the elements of things like D&D that I love that really are the things that uh, are what I am. You know, I'm, I love telling stories. I like writing stories. And um, an element that I haven't really gotten to with D&D as a dungeon master is an optional thing that I like to do is whenever characters meet a new NPC in the game, this new non-player character that I get to be, I like to explore new voices and new personalities. And like, if they walk up to like a super intense character, I'll have a more gruff, gravelly, sort of raspy voice for them. Or if they meet a weird thing who's selling flowers, I'll have a strange, high-pitched, sort of flittery voice for them. And I like to expand my, my voice repertoire, because I think it's more fun. You know, because instead of you walk up to another character and it's like, hey, Barkeep has the same voice as the town guard, has the same voice as the king. I think that's fun. And then as my own personal thing, I like to, to participate in uh, like voice casting things. I've done a couple uh, little small projects, but I've enjoyed the projects that I have done. And it's, it's just fun to open that portfolio up a bit. But yeah, I love writing, reading. Uh, I draw a lot too, which is something I implement in everything that I do. And then the voice... The voice acted things rather new, but I've always liked making weird voices and weird sounds just as like a joke. Oh, nice. Yeah, you just you just sound like a very creative person. And, and I know you more than uh, Colin Sawyer do, and you're just a very creative person. So it just makes sense that, you know, this is your thing. Um, and that's really awesome. You're you're doing some, uh, some voice acting stuff. Um, you think you could give us an example of a type of character from one of your uh, Dungeons & Dragons campaigns? Like a innkeeper or a, or a blacksmith or anything. Uh, sure. Uh, well, maybe I we remember. can like act it out as if the three of us are in a in an episode, just for like a minute. Oh, I don't know if you have a, enough time left in the episode for me to fully narrate. I get kind of lost in descriptions, but I recall once in a, a campaign, my characters were shipwrecked. Not shipwrecked. Excuse me. They found a shipwreck on an island as they were traveling in the ocean and as they got to it it turned out to be pirates who were shipwrecked and my friend had challenged me outside of the game to make 
just the most ridiculous characters I possibly could. <laughs> and so I made this pirate crew of just these misfit pirates who are just as bizarre as I could imagine them. And as they approached the shipwreck, it was... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll slip into a little narrative as they... You know, the on the beach, they were approaching the shipwreck. You know, you had the massive wood structure. The mast had been snapped near the base of it. The, the actual canvas was torn and laid across the sand. Some of it pelted by little pebbles from the ship coming to shore and covering it. Other little crabs had drawn bits of it into the ocean. The the greenery and the foliage of the island was up further in the beach, a shallow beach, maybe 30 feet. Um, side note, measurements are pretty important in D&D. So as a DM, you want to get as narrative as possible, but give like factual information. Like this is 50 feet wide or 200 pounds. Anyway, back on the mast, they approached it. There was a massive breach in the hole. It looked like the origin of a cannonball wound, but possibly for the weathering, they didn't know how old this wreck was, had continued to just corrode and open further. As they approached, a head popped up over what was now the nearly vertical hull of the boat on the surface. As this head popped up, they saw this mop of hair, half in dreadlock, half in loose curls, of this yellowish, dirty blonde, possibly even just muddy hair, a longer neck than typical of what would be a human, possibly half-blood of maybe a Vidalkin or the other of the more elongated, fairer folk. As he looked up, one eye crossed on the other, the other eye of bright blue, locked onto the group approaching, raised a hand in the air and said, Man, I mean, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. <laughs> that caught me so off guard. <laughs> It caught them off guard too. But there's more other serious situations. They walk and be like, hey, blacksmith, and be like, hey. Like, oh, we need a new sword. It's like, oh, I need 30 silvers. And like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it just sounds like you really need to have a creative mind and uh, be able to describe things so clearly when you're a dungeon master. And you just do it so well. Yeah, I, like I, I actually did a session. Person. I did like three sessions with you. A couple years ago, it was my the only time I've ever done Dungeons Dragons. So I've been honored to have you as my dungeon master. And the whole time, I was, I couldn't stop smiling. I was just having such a great time. And even now, just as you're <laughs> describing that that uh, scenery, I was yeah. just smiling. It's just it's just a pleasure to hear you perform as a dungeon master. <laughs> well, thank you. I've had a bit more experience than most people when it comes to dungeon mastering. And... A lot of people see that role as like intimidating or like the no one wants to do it. It's like the designated driver. Everyone's like, ah, no one wants to do that. But uh, I was drawn to it. You know, I wanted to do it and I wanted to be good at it. And I think that that is a, an essential part, as much as it is the players to stay true to who they are. You know, as a player character, you want to you know remain true to their motive and to their character's backstory. Remember where they came from and have their decisions make sense and to learn how to grow as a person, like a novel. But I, I always wanted to do the, the bigger picture, like, okay, here's the story. Now you guys get to either build it or destroy it, and I'm here to laugh as you do. It's all fun and games. It's for everyone to have fun. Well, before we end it, I wanted to... So if someone... I know Colin already asked if someone wanted to start, how would they start? But more on the side of if someone wanted to do it, is there like a Facebook page that people can go to to find people around them that play it? Where's like a good... Like, how do most people do it on terms of the logistics side? Is there... That's a good question. Um, I've always done it word to mouth. I've always made groups as a dungeon master. I, uh, it's been easier for me to make a group than find one. Um, but I know that there are Facebook groups out there. You can find them. Uh, there's like D&D Beyond is a great resource for new players and online players. 
and I think they have little community matches where you can meet people nearby or people is that online. A, is that a website? D&D Beyond? Yeah, it's D&D Beyond. Um, I'm not, like, sponsored or anything. I just know it's a great resource. Okay, cool. Yeah. I know you guys have a bunch of other questions, but I've been kind of talking about the broader scheme of the game. Uh, I'll, I'll reduce the word count that I've been using. No, this is awesome. No, and no, hey, well, you on again. <laughs> just dang it. We'll cut this. We'll cut this. <laughs> Go for Go it. Okay. <laughs> you go. You go. I'm sure we're gonna have you on many other episodes in the future. So we have we'll have so much more to talk about. So is there anything you want to shout out at the end of this, or did you get from the beginning, or what? A, holy crap! We just fell into like. A crap shoot right now. <laughs> <laughs> you take it away. It's your episode, Carter. <laughs> Till the end. Till the end. So Kyle, do you have anything you'd like to shout out? We're here with us right now. You can plug anything you'd like. I know you. You draw. You do all kinds of things. Anything you'd like to yeah. share with us? I do some things. Um, mostly comic book style illustrations and stuff. I don't have any social media, but. Um, you guys have my contacts because of all this. And I guess if any listeners want to check out some of my stuff, they can reach out to you and I can send my stuff to y'all just because I, I don't have social media to limit distractions from, you know, schooling and other artistic pursuits. Um, I'm hoping to publish my writing online eventually, or maybe try to get actual publishing, but I don't have anything for real to really like, Hey, click on this Etsy store to see my stuff. Nothing like that. But as what we've been talking about, you know, video games are awesome, and I love them so much when you've, you're just by yourself and you have time to kill. But D&D, I think, is a great uh, community thing. I've actually written some essays in collegiate courses about how the game helps build teamwork exercises, and it does help with critical thinking as well as creative problem solving. And it's just uh, a space to have, you know, safe consequences to fictitious actions you want to live out if you want to live vicariously through your character or it's just a place to have friends and have these inside jokes that you'll never forget like as i shared with you guys the flying cow which was as we summed it up cow magic yeah, <laughs> yeah those memories that you have just the funny quirky little experiences are just the best yeah well Thank you so much for joining us today. We really had a great time talking to you. And I'm sure we'll see you again in another episode. I'd love to come back if you have me. I'll try to say less and let you guys talk more. I feel like I've really filled the space with the... With no, my that's what having a guest is all about. We'd love to hear all, all of the, what our guest has to say. It's making me want to actually like learn more about it and play it a little bit. Because I did learn it. I, I served a mission as well. I learned a little bit about my mission with a couple people. And like... Um, it's it just like it's fun to learn about something new like this um, from somebody Carter's close to. Hopefully, we can do a D and D episode together. Or something. That'd be fun. If you I guys like... want to do a gameplay yeah. session of it, I would be more than happy to run that for you guys if you'd like. Yeah. What are they, what are they called again? One shot. One shots. Yeah. One shots. We could do a one shot. Yeah, and then it's, uh, it's done yeah. in one shot, one go. Exactly. No, that's something we can definitely plan. Thanks, Kyle. You're awesome. You're the man. <laughs> It's been a pleasure. I've been a big fan of your guys' show. It's been fun to watch it begin and fun to be a part of it. Even though I'm not uh, a video game aficionant, I am a connoisseur of many video games and have enjoyed <laughs> your content. It's been fun at work to listen to your opinions of things that I agree with, and it's uh, 
you got a good little community growing here. I'm excited to see what happens in the future. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. If you guys love this video, give it a like, give us a follow. We're always on social media, so you'll hear us every week and we'll be back next Wednesday. Thanks for watching. Please join the Discord. Deuces. <laughs>